water in his veins. I couldn't think of a better place to end the street than Death Valley, South Carolina, baby. Guys going down, guys stepping up. That's what football is all about. And they say we can't do it. What they say now? Welcome back to the Clemson Podcast. Neither Clemson, Wake Forest, nor Aaron Judge got to 61 on Saturday. Dozens of people watched a 26-point Miami favorite lose by 14 at home. Clemson is 4-0, and life is good. Welcome back, everyone. This is our Clemson-Wake game recap, and we are here to recap the game in which a plucky Wake Forest underdog came in, took advantage of some Clemson defensive lapses, punched above their weight, and ultimately beat the Clemson Tigers 6-1 to one at Riggs Field. Actually, Cody, let's not do that. We're not here to talk soccer. We are here to talk football. And your fighting Clemson Tigers beat Wake Forest 51-45 to 45 up in Winston-Salem. What a wild game. Uh, here to break this down for our instant reaction pod is my co-host, Cody. Cody, what a game. Yeah, it was a game. It was kind of a toss a throwback game. I said, I mean, it reminded me of games when I was in college. Uh, but the, I guess the difference being we, we pulled it out. Uh, there's, there, you know, it was a game where we should have pulled away. And in the Dabo Venables era, that was a game where the defense would suffocate after a 14 point lead. But you saw the comeback. You saw a game where we go behind. And then ultimately we come back to win, which again, that there, I, I've spent many years as a Clemson fan where we've lost those, those ex- same exact games. So get out all the positives of, you know, off, off the top and say that I'm glad we won. And uh, that, that was a game where you had to have some like true winners, guys like DJ, uh, guys along the defensive line, the interior to, to, to make that happen. Um, so that, now that we got all the positives out of the way, let's, let's go ahead to the negatives. Yeah. Well, before we kind of dive into this game, again, it is an instant reaction pods. So we're, we're here to highlight things like what we just saw, you know, in first, first takes, first reactions from this one. Maybe hit on a couple of highlights, lowlights. I think there's both of those to get into, you know, that you're alluding to here, Cody. We'll hit on our favorite moment. Um, I do want to call out, this is also, Cody, our first video show, first YouTube show that we're going to be putting up on YouTube at our our channel, Clemson Podcast, youtube.com slash Clemson Podcast. We encourage everyone to head over there. Um, Some people prefer to kind of take in shows like this through video. So uh, we're making that happen. We're also obviously cutting this up into audio, publishing this on the podcast uh, for those who prefer to listen. So quick plug for that. Um, but yeah, let's move into this, Cody. I mean, it, just in terms of what we just saw, um, there's really a few things. This game, obviously, with a score of uh, 51 to 45, you know, plenty to unpack there. Um, I think I want to start with some positives. Clemson found the gear to win in a shootout. And really, obviously, with a, with a score like that, um, it was the offense that, that really carried this team. Um, and in particular, I think it was the passing game that stepped up. You know, I, I think a lot of the credit, rightly so, thus far has gone to DJU and what he was able to do in this game. But um, he, he's not able to complete that number of passes, you know, for that many touchdowns um, without pass protection and without wide receivers and tight ends stepping up. So I thought in this one, you know, I, I think a pat, the passing game is definitely something that we saw um, emerge against tougher competition. I think when you're playing like Furman, Georgia Tech, Louisiana Tech, easy to question, are those teams, you know, are those defenses something that we should be that encouraged by? 
but I think Wake Forest, you know, they're, they're also not world beaters on defense, but they represent a step up in quality. Um, and this team definitely made it happen. Agreed. And they're, and they're well coached too. So I, I give them a lot of credit for their positioning. I was watching in my rewatch, I watched linebackers that were very uh, sound in terms of their, their gap discipline, which really, I mean, they, they did a good job of kind of holding us in the run game. You weren't seeing a lot of big runs um, in the, I, I would say you mentioned the pass game. So a positive from that is DJ. Yeah. He did make winning plays. It looked a lot like Trevor Lawrence at times and D- Deshaun Watson at times. And I don't know, there was a lot of naysayers about using the middle of the field, you know, check, check that box. I think the, the tight ends were utilized a lot early and often. And, um, and DJ, in the red zone too, right? Yeah. And you know, what's clear at this point, it's like our, our top receivers outside of Antonio Williams, you have Bo Collins, you have Davis Allen, Jake Brennan I mean, that's probably our top guys. Maybe Randall gets in the mix. Maybe someone else emerges. Maybe it's Spectre. But there's no, I just don't see a, a situation where there's going to be a lot of separation by the wide receivers. It's going to be guys that are going to win with their body. And, you know, fair enough. If that's what, and that, that's what you saw uh, against Wake Forest is just perfectly placed balls by, uh, by DJ and then guys going up and getting it. Yeah, I think to compliment that, Cody, that, uh, Ended up becoming, and we'll talk about this down the stretch throughout the second half, ended up being a little bit of a predictable scheme, predictable play calling. But you you still saw Will Shipley and DJ in the running game, you know, do just enough, hustle out those extra yards to, to move the chains and ultimately score points for Clemson. Um, so that I think the running game is also an underrated key to this victory. Um, Clemson was not going to dominate in this game on the, on the ground necessarily um, due to, I think, some some remaining offensive line woes. Um, but those guys, I just want to give credit for their hustle in the running game. Um, in particular, DJ, I know Shipley, um, had some, had some hustle plays. Obviously that goal line stretch was clutch. Uh, but DJ definitely picked up a lot of key yards in this game. Yeah. He's, I mean, he's done a pretty good job and you see him improving week by week in, in terms of how he's reading the defense when to, when to hand, especially like zone reads, um, the run game did okay, like you said. Shipley broke for a long run early. But ultimately, that's still a part of the the, the offense that could improve, in my opinion. Um, 100%. I, I think, the, I think it, like you said, it was predictable. I think that's, that's why defenses are able to stop us, because we are a little bit predictable going through the run early. And my thought was, okay, you give up the run early, or you, you take these one, two-yard runs by, by really good running backs, by the way, um, off of Shipley and, and Pace – and you open up the RPO game or play action game later on. I didn't see that. So like, I, you know, maybe it's, I don't know what the thought process was there. I, I've actually been a fan of how Streeter has managed games. Uh, I think intentional conservatism has been kind of the theme. Uh, so I, I, I thought he had something planned for later. Maybe he's holding it until next week. But uh, yeah, I think a commitment well, to the run they were game. They playing with even, the deficit, Cody. Like, I, yeah. like they, were, they were playing catch up on the scoreboard. So maybe that played in a little bit to the the thought process down the stretch. I'm not sure. Sure. Um, well, in terms of what else we saw, I mean, I think we've been kind of skirting around this. I thought Wake Forest played an excellent game strategically in this one with game planning. Um, they identified a Clemson weakness on the defensive end with the secondary in the Furman and Louisiana Tech film. And early on, they were testing the run and the mesh, you know, that they always do um, just to see like, let's see if our, our tried and true, our bread and butter can work. After seeing that it didn't work, they just moved to opt to exploit the secondary, you know, and, and really that happened throughout the game. You know, we saw them erase Clemson's deficit 
when Clemson was kicking field goals and not scoring touchdowns, you know, that played even more into Wake Forest hands. Um, and really they stuck to that, you know, going after our, our corners um, really until the final offensive series. And, um, you know, we don't want to sing out, single out individual players here, um, but it really took Wes Goodwin, I thought, a long time to adjust to what we were seeing on the field, what he was getting out of his his cornerbacks in particular. Um, you know, and that was kind of one of my takeaways from the game is like not only how prone they were to, you know, a feisty quarterback like Sam Hartman and those bigger skilled receivers, uh, but really how long we, we allowed that to continue in the game. Right. You mentioned that Wake Forest made the adjustment early because you're, they, they started, they were going with pace. They had a game plan. They quickly redirected and saw, oh, yeah, I see the weak link here. Let's, this is our game plan. And they wrote it. They executed perfectly. Sam Hartman, let's give him all the credit in the world. He was, he was fantastic. Those receivers were good for Wake Forest. So I, I gave them credit. Put that, put it, that, put that into the, its proper context. But I guess, I guess to your point, like, where were our adjustments? Where was Wes Goodwin? And I thought, and I'll need to go back and rewatch, and some other people will do so, and I may, I may be wrong on this. I thought we needed to send more pressure. I, I thought, like, you're, if you give him enough time, he's showed that he's good enough to sit in the pocket. doesn't matter if there's four rushing or not, uh, but, which, by the way, the four weren't really getting home. I saw some penetration from the interior, but the defensive ends weren't getting home. So I, I felt like if you just rush four, he's going to sit back and pick us apart, even if, even if there is double coverage on the back end. Um, he's going to, they're going to connect. So I felt like you had to send pressure. You had to send you uh, kind of creative pressure, unique disguise, delayed, whatever. Um, but I didn't see enough of that. I, th- I felt like that was the adjustment that was needed. And uh, yeah, it, the same, you didn't see much adjustment really the whole way to, to make Sam Hartman feel a little bit uneasy. I mean, I do, I do think toward sort of the end of the fourth quarter, you saw uh, Wes Goodwin move to more of a cover two look where you had two safeties high to back up our, our corners who at that point were, were getting pretty exposed. Call that an adjustment for whatever reason. I still believe that Hartman and those receivers probably could have, I mean, our guys were probably still going to get DPI flags, you know, against that, even if they knew they had safety help. So I don't know why Clausen and that offense moved away from testing the secondary. And they're really just running that delayed mesh run game on their last offensive series. And then a little bit, it felt like during overtime as well. So that's a little strange. You know, I, I didn't see any Dave Clawson post-game comments to that end. There was a stat floating around Cody, and this is like really small sample size, but um, in terms of Hartman's effectiveness when Clemson was blitzing versus not blitzing, he had a much higher completion percentage and they had touchdowns to show actually when Clemson sent pressure versus when they were not. It's to your point, there, there's many ways to send pressure. Um, I think Clemson was likely at that point sending safeties in where they probably needed to, needed to be backing up the corners. Um, so maybe they're, you know, fire zone blitzes, that kind of thing that they ought to, ought to have been doing instead. Um, but that kind of thing will not hold up against NC State next week. So um, the good news is, I guess, from a defensive standpoint, we will be getting a few guys back. I think in terms also of just getting getting that pressure with the the starting defensive line, I think getting Xavier Thomas back, you know, yes, he's going to be a little bit rusty, um, but if he can provide just that extra spark that maybe a Justin Maskell um, wasn't able to in this one, or possibly even KJ Henry, like that could be the edge here against NC state um, that we didn't see here against Wake Forest. So um, a lot to clean up, a lot to clean up in the secondary, a lot of, you know, film to work with. 
crazy that we're yearning for the days of Sheridan Jones coming in here. Um, Cause I, I thought in for this season, if we were going to see him, you know, get starting snaps, that was going to prove to be, you know, a negative thing for this defense. But um, I don't know that Wiggins or Fred Davis or the two freshmen were up to the task necessarily in this game. So um, a lot to, a lot of wood to chop, you know, before this next Saturday. The secondary was a, was a bit disappointing to say the least. Um, hot take. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hot take. I mean, you know, Cody, I, they were, let's, let's call it what it is. Like they were burnt pretty much all afternoon and, you know, let's not dwell on this too much. It's a, it's a quick hit instant reaction pod, but like, I mean, why do you think we're in this situation where we need to be running out there a couple of true freshmen, you know, early and often? Look, you could talk about like roster management, uh, a lack of takes in the secondary. Um, I, I don't necessarily agree with that just because I think we're in a position in the, in the transfer, transfer portal area uh, era where if you, even if you do have a couple of studs that are sitting behind Sheridan Jones, Malcolm, which uh, theoretically you did have a couple of studs in Fred Davis and, and Nate Wiggins. But even if you, if you have some really good talent and they're not playing, you know, someone's going to transfer. So this is just kind of the way it's going to look to me going forward. If you're a high level team, you, when you, when you get pressed with injuries or, you know, you have some issues, you, you got to go to a, a freshman and hopefully that freshman's a four or five-star freshman, which is what happened with Clemson. The bigger concern for me is just, it's, it's pretty self-evident. It was, it's the way that they looked in coverage. It looked like pride and Lucas and even Fred Davis. It looked like they came straight from their high school threw on a Clemson Jersey and said, go out there. Clearly the speed's there. The hips are there. I see talent when I, I see all those players from Nate Wiggins, Fred Davis, pride, Lucas. I see speed. I see talent. I see no coverage ability. I see, I see no uh, instincts. I, I don't see them contesting balls or having the awareness to, to turn around and find balls. That's all coaching. It comes down to, I mean, it is, yeah, this is not, again, it's, it's not a revelatory. Well, let's throw th- it's coaching. Yeah. Let's throw, <laughs> let, let's throw, what's changed, I guess, over the last couple of years. We talked about it in the, the preseason preview stuff. Mike Reed is now also coaching special teams. He took that over from Mickey Kahn. Mickey Kahn has a bigger role in the defense now. I don't know if we can tangibly see Mickey Kahn's new role uh, play out necessarily. But yeah, I mean, if Mike Reed, you know, he's spending some amount of his time and headspace and bandwidth on the special teams unit, you know, and the punting game wasn't exactly marvelous in this one. Uh, but yeah, that's time not spent developing corners. So I think we're starting to feel that a little bit. Um, but again, teachable moments, coachable moments. Um, I you know, it, hope, hope for the best moving forward. Yeah, I, I mean, I can't, I can't imagine there's like a the time issue between like if you can't allocate your pie chart and say like, oh, X amount goes to to cornerbacks and coaching, like, and then X amount goes to special teams. If that's really the issue, like, good God, you know, the the salaries that these guys hire hire another assistant or hire another, uh, you know, someone else to, to help, help out. Uh, I think it's inexcusable. I don't think, I don't think we can chalk it up to time. Uh, yeah. And, that's and, fair. and when I look at the, the talent makeup of all these guys from, from Fred Davis, who again, by the way, he looks like he's going out there and he's got great coverage ability. It's like, he's been tasked with covering guys pretty well, except at the end, let them catch it. Like it looks like those are his instructions or at the end pass interfere. So like there's talent there and there, and you could say, well, I met like my brother sent me a text. I missed the days of McKenzie Alexander. It's like, fair enough, but these guys have talent. Like there's, there's more talent than when McKenzie Alexander was with Clemson. So the, I mean, this is like pretty, 
unique in that uh, there's there's so much talent. There's the the recruiting rankings, you know, back that it's just coaching, and it looks a lot. It looked a lot like West Virginia, uh, the Orange Bowl from 2011, 12. Yeah, 11 season, exactly. Just, yeah. So well, I think I think we have our low light of the game, Cody. Uh, it was just like the I think the penalties you can talk about. Oh, 15 yards is better than a touchdown allowed. Well, you know, they eventually scored a touchdown on most of those series, um, usually through the air. So um, I think burnt all afternoon. Um, it'll be nice to get Sheridan Jones back. I think having XT, having Malcolm Green, having Makuba, like a rising tide lifts all boats on this defense from a talent perspective. Uh, but either way, I think if you're Dave Doran, uh, if you're um, Devin Leary, you know, if you're upcoming DC, or, I'm sorry, OCs looking to attack this defense, I think you're going to make Clemson show that they can, they can cover, you know, in, in one-on-one matchups. Um, so we'll see, we'll see what they can do to scheme around that. We'll see what the, you know, return of, we hope Sheridan Jones is good to go. I think he's got a lingering stinger injury. Um, hopefully he can, he can get healthy and come back, but definitely something to watch moving forward. Cool. Well, Cody, we're keeping this moving. Uh, instant reaction. I wanted to ask you, like, what was what was maybe one of your one or two favorite moments from this game? Favorite moments, DJ, his development, uh, the throws to the tight ends. Uh, he, I saw, I saw some opportunities where he could have run a little bit more, but you know, I gave him some flack early for being a little slow, a little hesitant. It looks like it's not just that he's. Maybe he's gained a step in speed. It's it's confidence. Like he's seeing things unfold a little faster. So when he does run, he's been effective. He used that to sustain some drives where we otherwise would have stalled out. And um, I'll give a I'll give like a shout out to Ngata. We haven't. I mean, he made some those 50-50 catches. He got strong, went up, made some made some big catches that you haven't really seen to this point in his career. So I'll uh, I'll, I'll go with that. The receivers and, and DJ. Good ones for sure. My favorite moment, seeing Will Shipley come back in the game after that brutal knee hit on that kick return. Um, seeing him come in a series later, uh, it was great to see. Um, mostly mostly tongue-in-cheek answer here. I, I want to mix it up. I, I do want to talk about the defense. I think, you know, with a game like that, Wake Forest running near nearly 90 plays, Getting key stops down the stretch in have-to-have-it moments, I think I do want to call out the the totality of the defense coming through, digging deep, and stepping up there. Um, most of that credit I would I would put to the defensive line. I thought T- Tyler Davis played an amazing game coming back. You didn't you didn't hear Brzee's name called as much, but I think they were they were choosing to double Brzee, which kind of opened things up for the rest of the defensive line. And you're right, like this was not like a six sack, ten sack game for this DL, um, but I think they they did just enough. I mean. You mentioned it, Clemson teams in prior eras would have succumbed to fatigue or injury, would have found a way to lose this game. This defense dug deep and found a, found a way to step up and stop them on that last overtime series. Um, so, yeah, credit goes to them. I think the reason that they were Wake was able to mitigate our defensive line for a, a good portion of the game was because of pace. I was watching, and it really takes a well-coached and kind of veteran or senior-laden type team, which is – is what Wake Forest is to be able to get up to the line that quickly and, and all things firing still like firing all cylinders and have that kind of, uh, you know, that continuity and obviously Sam Hartman's fifth year senior. So I think that kind of kept the defense on their heels a little bit. And, uh, you know, you looked at us like we, we don't get to the same level of pace. Maybe that's because you, you value the, 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 
offensive coordinator's input over the pace itself. But um, yeah, but, but yeah, I, I do give credit. Yeah, I'm with you. I give credit to the defense. Tyler Davis, it's like he's been here forever. And ever even from the moment he was a freshman, he was performing at like an all-conference level. Maybe he's now all-American level. He's just been, when he hasn't been injured, just tried and true. Yeah. And credit to Brzee too. Like you said, he, eat up, he ate up some double teams. Well, Cody, I know you follow basketball. Like there's that plus minus stat or the on-off stat, like how good your team is when a guy is on the court versus off the court. The Tyler Davis stats must be insane just in terms of the splits between when he's healthy and in there versus, you know, what this, this defense looks like when he isn't. So please stay healthy, big guy. We need it. Yeah. I, I he's probably no Grady Jarrett, maybe not a, uh, you know, Christian Wilkins, but he's just been really good consistently for four years now. So credit to him. Going to miss him when he's gone. Cool. Well, Cody, Let's uh, let's move it on. I guess the last thing I wanted to talk about today to recap this game was what you think this game can tell us about this team and this season, you know, the, the ceiling of this team or the opportunity this team has moving forward um, to maybe kick us off here. I mean, across the country, like we said it time and again yesterday afternoon and yesterday evening, like so key to get this win. You got to win. You know, you got to win ugly sometimes. Look back to the 2016 season. Look back to the 2018 season. Like. There were games Clemson found ways to win ugly and they went on to win titles. You know, we're not saying this is a championship caliber team just yet. Um, you know, it's a, it's a work in progress, but um, really clutch to get that win. I guess for me, in terms of like what this tells me going forward, I want to see what this defense looks like when we do get some of these, these injured guys back, because I don't think we've seen a complete performance from them yet. You know, the, the book is yet unwritten about what the ceiling of this defense can be. I think we're starting to see the offense raise the ceiling a bit and what this team could be and what, what they could look like. Um, I really hope for this NC state game, which is going to be one of the better offenses we play all season that we do have guys like Makuba back, you know, as close to hundred percent as he can be um, to be a playmaker. I think both he and XT are going to be somewhat limited just by the nature of their injuries and how long they've been out. Um, but either way, like really important for them to come in and play a role and same goes for Sheridan Jones, like, you know, just really hoping that these injured guys can um, come in and make an impact. Yeah, if if someone told you, hey, we're four games in, we're four and oh, but also the offense is carrying the defense right now. You know, A, would you believe it? And B, would you take that as a as an acceptable outcome? And I, I mean, after last year's offensive slug, slog, whatever you want to call it, uh, I, I would consider that, wow, that's great because I feel like the defense has enough talent where they can find their footing. As long as the offense can, can give them... Uh, it can complement them in some way. And, and I think DJ's done that. And then some, the offense has done that. And then some that said, that said, uh, we, we could be sitting here talking about a loss to wake Forest, our playoff chances effectively being over. And maybe we're talking about a pivotal moment in the Dabo Sweeney era where we have to really be introspective and, and say like, is what's, what's going on? You know, you can't, we can't keep chalking everything up to injuries. Cause that's, that's becoming its own recurring theme too. So not to be too negative, but I think yeah. there's, I think we, I mean, well, and ball, we're one play away probably from having that conversation, right? Like it's that close of a variance where, right. Yeah. You're definitely right. Where we are right now. And I, I just, I hate to say, I hate to be this guy, but I think it was Wake Forest is well coached. It was at Wake Forest, but there clearly the talent gap was just, we were, 
I think we're eight point favorites, but we're really probably two or three touchdowns better than them. So the fact that they were able to outcoach us that much, I mean, you have to look long and hard and it's, you can't just circle the, the cornerbacks. You ha- there's other parts of the defense, lack of adjustments, like you said, maybe a lack of intensity. Uh, you know, I, I didn't know that, you know, Venable's leaving, like the intensity would leave with him. I, I thought there was enough like meat on the ball with players that were remaining in talent where the intensity would kind of ride out and or, uh, would, would carry over into this year and maybe next year. Um, but I think we've already seen it fizzle a little bit. We don't, it's not the same mean defense with the, with the kind of that tough streak that Venables had. So I think they're, you know, Dabo, if, if it'll kind of be a test of, uh, of him as a coach, because I don't think he's ever faced this at this point. So, cause if, if you want to get to that next level at this point, it's, it's going to be more than just cleaning up a few things. That's fair. And that question, Cody, can probably linger beyond this season, right? Like, you know, I think what you're alluding to a little bit is like the coordinators we have on staff. And um, I think we've pointed to this recruiting class coming up for the 2023 year being very critical to restock the cupboards from a talent perspective on defense. Um, But I was I was thinking we would still have some carryover guys, you know, who stick around an extra year that can, to your point, bring the leadership, you know, continue to carry that culture defensively of being, you know, an intense defense. Um, now you question that a little bit. So, um, right. yeah, it's going to go beyond probably the NC State game and the remainder of this season, just in terms of like, what is the Clemson program moving forward? Um, I think there's been some fair criticism thus far of, not criticism, but just questions about the coordinator promotions and hires. Um, and again, like maybe some of the conservatism that we've seen is by design and not by just that's what you get when you have Streeter and Goodwin calling the signals. Um, but yeah, I mean, we're, I think we're going to continue to learn a lot in the next coming weeks. Um, NC state, huge matchup. It's going to be under the bright lights of death Valley ESPN game day is coming in. Like as a college football will be on Clemson this coming weekend. Um, so huge matchup there. But when you look around the ACC after that, sure. Wake is well coached. They're, they're seasoned. We were at their place, but there are other teams that are kind of rising up, you know, in terms of their, their rebuilds across the ACC. These are lesser teams that Clemson's going to be way overmatched. I mean, Clemson is going to overmatch them in terms of talent level, um, the likes of Florida state, the likes of Syracuse, but um, you play a sloppy game against them. We could also take like a first, second, third loss. You could easily see that happen. So um, I don't know that our expectations for the year have changed at all through four games. Every, every goal is obviously still in front of the team, uh, but there are kind of cracks in the, in the structure that you could potentially see starting to form. Right. And to make the distinction between the offense and the defense, I'm probably in the, in the, the only guy in the camp that I actually think Brandon Streeter has done a good job. And I see a noticeable improvement in play calling. A lot of people don't like his conservatism. They don't like moving away from the run or going to run heavy at times. But I don't. I I think he's been intentionally intentionally conservative at times to bring DJ along, uh, as to not uh, allow him to kind of blossom organically. And I think that's happened. And uh, he he needed to get a few wins under his belt. And I mean, like just wins, as in like connecting with receivers and not getting sacked. And I, I think he's brought him along to the point where now he's starting to open things up. He he did that on Saturday against Wake. And obviously, a good quarterback is a rising tide. Uh, and that's that's what you're seeing on the offense. Wide receivers are all of a sudden get better. You're talking about run blocking getting better. Pass protection has been pretty solid all year. Um, so the offense is really improved. De- so I'm really like kind of circling the defense right now. 
I don't know. Yeah. What, what do you think? I mean, you, I, I know you, you probably don't, you object to the play calling and offensive no. scheming. Yeah. Well, what I'll say is, I mean, I, I want to credit Streeter and Dabo and the coaching staff on how they've approached the DJ situation. Like DJ is he, even beyond a quarterback that can keep us in games right now. Like he's a guy that can go win a game for you and credit to them for sort of how they've, how they've approached the quote unquote quarterback controversy. Like, you know, coach DJ up to this point and managed it. Um, it's awesome to see it. And I want to admit, like, we've definitely laid out reasons for issues that DJ had last year that were outside of him and between the ears for him or, you know, his capabilities. We've definitely laid out reasons for optimism that things would improve this year. And I think, you know, myself, the rest of us here on the podcast have had reasons for like reasons to believe optimism, why it would improve and faith that he had the talent to do it. But I'll admit, like, I had my doubts that he actually would step through that door and would, you know, show us this level of talent and realize it at Clemson. Um, and he totally has 100%. So I want to salute DJ on that. And I do I do think some credit there. A lot of it goes to DJ and just who he is and, you know, how talented he is. But a lot of that credit should also go to Streeter. Um, from a play calling perspective, I think, you know, in past games like Louisiana Tech, they were just executing like there were by design reasons that they were trying to air out the ball and trying to like develop the, the pass protection or get receivers, you know, unlocked and feeling comfortable with DJ. So I don't, I don't necessarily have any like lingering critiques of Streeter as a play caller just yet. Um, I think we just need to see these guys get reps in big time situations with the back against the wall. We just had one against Wake Forest. Um, and I thought the team did pretty well, you know, I almost had, I mean, I thought DJ played a near flawless game. I think the play calling felt a little vanilla around the goal line with, you know, run plays to Shipley, that kind of thing. But um, maybe results Trump process in my mind right now in this instant reaction show the day later. Uh, but I don't know. I'm good. I feel like, I mean, it's not like Streeter is a, you know, Elaine Kiffin or, you know, he's not, he's not necessarily like innovating with offensive concepts that are blowing my mind right now, but doing enough to win, doing enough to maximize the talent on the field each week has looked better and better. So I'm feeling pretty good. Right. And there's, I mean, there is a, a diversity of play calling in terms of like how he's using, well, at least there was against Wake Forest in terms of how he was using uh, the tight ends, getting uh, receivers involved. And uh, I, I think he's, yeah, I think he's been fairly good. And I've always been of the opinion that everyone says, you, you know, you want to conceal something, you know, keep it for the end of the season. I, fundamentally disagree with that I think put as much on film as you can and give the opponent as much to think about especially like what they did against Wake Forest now NC State's looking at film that they didn't have you know they look at new wrinkles that we threw with the tight ends now they're having to spend more time in practice looking at the middle of the field and uh, I think that's the way you got to play it uh, DJ can win you games now like there's there's so much diversity there in terms of what he can bring which I never thought I'd say this after that Georgia Tech game just three weeks later but yeah he's, he's a winning quarterback the numbers, the numbers bear out. Yep, absolutely. Well, Cody, there's obviously more we could go into from this game, but I think we should wrap it up there. Um, thanks for doing this instant reaction show, man. Uh, good to kind of touch base immediately following this game in the aftermath. Again, great to get this win. There are a lot of teams so far this year in the first four or five weeks that um, have found ways to lose and have found themselves fall out of the, you know, the playoff hunt or the top 10 for the, for the most part. So, uh, yeah, all of Clemson's goals are ahead of, ahead of the team at this point. Um, we mentioned it before. 
7.30 game this coming weekend against NC State at Death Valley. ESPN game day is coming to town. You know, really, this is a battle, not just for the Atlantic, but I feel like for the ACC. Um, so stakes could not be higher um, in this one. I think we're going to find a, a lot about, we are going to find a lot out about this Clemson team this coming weekend. Um, should be a, a crazy week. I'm really excited to read a lot more reactions from the Wake, the Wake game. Um, I think a lot of the stats I saw have really talked up DJ in terms of his efficiency as a passer and comparing his stats to last year. That's all going to be cool to see, but um, you know, NC state's got a much better defense than wake forest. So I think he's going to have a real test coming up here. It would be interesting to compare some of DJ stats to uh, Deshaun and Trevor's from, from the first four games, because they, they were kind of, I don't say notorious. They, they got off to some slow starts themselves for variety of reasons so yeah we have revisionist history cody as fans we're like oh gosh those guys were like hall of famers from the gun like you know and that just wasn't the case right no and if you look back to uh 2016 that was the year that uh, there were a lot of issues on the back end with the dbs with holding and pis and then on top of that deshaun watson just clearly looked off the first i think five six games uh, same with Trevor, his sophomore year, where he was throwing some interceptions. So, yeah, there's, I mean, yeah, some revisionist history for sure. I guess my point being, I, I think DJ is, I mean, he's gotten to the point now where he, I think he stacks up statistically with those guys. I don't, I don't think he's at that level yet, but um, the statistics are there. Yeah. In, in any event, you would never think after last season we'd be talking like this in terms of trying to stack right. that up. And look, these are not his first four games as a Clemson starter either. Like last year happened. We got to acknowledge it, but, you know, just to start a season, very encouraging for DJ. So I'm feeling pretty good. Cody, why don't we wrap it there? I want to thank everyone for tuning in. Feel free to leave us a review, tell a friend. Great way for us to get discovered as a podcast. Please head to our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Clemson podcast. Subscribe, hit the bell to get notifications for when when our shows go live. Um, And you you can definitely check that out over there. Obviously, you can also listen to us on your podcasting app or platform of choice. We're available on all of them. Um, Thanks again for tuning in. And as always, go Tigers. Go Tigers.